God. Hallelujah. Let me go directly into the word that I have for you this, um, this morning. The title of my um, message this morning is just three words which says, Trumpets, Jars, and Torch. Trumpet, Jar, and Torch. With the title itself, now you are familiar with what I'm going to say. Yes, it's a story of Gideon, the fifth judge, a historical event that happened 1250 BCE. It's a very, very old story about one of the judge. Uh, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, 7, and 8, you would find this story. Well, uh, while I was meditating this past week, I was just thinking on what I should be speaking or a message that I need to prepare. I just got the name or just this, this name called Gideon in my mind. And I kept thinking and thinking on what I should be speaking. I don't want to be speaking something that you have already overheard or what usually the preachers speak about Gideon and his army and all those fight and battle that he had and he, how he became victorious. Something different, something that I can tell the youngsters of this church something that will encourage them, something that will open up their mind and make them think about it. So I kept thinking in that, that line, and, and, and days went by, but finally God spoke to me, and that I'm going to share with you this uh, morning. Uh, maybe I'm not going to tell much of stories this morning you, for you to laugh, but things. Some, this is also a story. The story of Gideon itself is a story, so it's going to be a little bit narrative way, so pay close attention to it. Everyone play, pay cl close attention to it what I'm going to say. Now, the story of Gideon happens in the book of Judges, chapter 6, 7, and 8. 6, 7, and 8. Let me give you a background of what is happening over here. Now, the people of God, the Israelites, they kept doing evil in the sight of God. Even though God did a lot of miracles, God did a lot of wonders, God did great mighty things for them, yet they kept on disobeying God, kept on doing evil in the sight of God. Now, this was a time uh, the people of Israel, they did did evil in the sight of God, and God handed them over to the Midians, to the Midians. Every kid, every youngsters, listen, it's a story. So when the people of God did evil in the sight of God, God handed them into their enemies, the Midians. Now, when, the, when they were uh, in the hands of these enemies, what the Israelites had to do was just run away. And these Israelites, they had these good houses, these mansions, these banks gloves, waterfront villas, and all those things. But since now they are under the captivity of these Midians, they had to run away and get shelter in mountains, in caves, in dens, and they have to run away. Now, uh, uh, Every now and then, they used to come out of these caves. They used to come out, and they used to plow the land. They used to sow the seed. They used to water it. They used to add fertilizer. They used to plant crops. But when it is the time of harvest, when it is the time that they the, uh, to get the fruit of their labor, the Midians used to come. They used to come to this land. The Midians used to come to this land. Now, uh, uh, let me tell you this. There was no presence of God in the land because they did evil in the sight of God. There is no presence of God in the land. They did evil in the sight of God. They did evil in the sight of God. The presence of God was gone. But instead of the presence of God, now it is the presence of their enemies, the Midians. Now, when the Midians came, the Bible says it very, very, very clearly. You know what? Every word in the Bible is very important and inspired. So each word has its own meaning. The, it says like this. The, it doesn't say the 
the enemies just came and did all the things. But it says very carefully, when the enemy came, he brought their tent and their camels. If you read that portion from Judges, you will find it. They brought their tent and their camels. What they did is the enemies came, they pitched their tent into Israel, in Israel, and they also brought their camels. And when we say the enemies came, it's not just 10 enemies or 5 or maybe a 10,000. The word of God says they came like a locust, like a swarm of locusts, like, like a huge number of people that you cannot count them. That many people just came. They just came. They just packed up their tent and their camels, and they just came into their land, and they just came and stayed there. They just pitched their tent there, and they just stayed there. Now, let me tell you, Israel was a promised land for Israelites. The land was promised land for the Israelites. But let me tell you, if you don't have the presence of God, even the devil can set or pitch his tent in your promised land. Amen. Hallelujah. Youngsters, let me tell you, you might have a lot of promises in your life, but if you don't have the presence of God in your life, the devil can pitch his tent in your promises. He can come and set his tent in your promised land. He can come and set up his tent in the promise. Now they came, come and stay there for quite some days. They stay there for quite some days. It's not just for the weekend, but they stay there for quite some days. And next thing is very important. They say they don't come there to enjoy the harvest. Many times we have that notion that they came there to take the harvest, to enjoy the harvest. The things that the Israelites sowed, the things that the Israelites planted there, these uh, the Midians came to enjoy it. No, the word of God clearly says over there, they came there to destroy the land. They came there to destroy it. They came there, they destroyed the harvest. They just destroyed. And when they left, they even took their cattle and everything and left it barren. They just left it barren. Now, let me ask you a question. Every, every youngsters, let me ask you a question. Has this happened to you in your life? You practice, you work hard, you put all your effort, you do all the hard work. But when it's a time to reap the result, has the enemy taken it away? Has the enemy taken it away? If so, then you need to think, where have you lost the presence of God? Or has the devil already pitched a tent in your promise? If you have worked hard, if you have, you have gave the sweat and blood for that work, or if you have labored really hard and the enemy has taken it away, where has the enemy pitched his tent in your life? In which area of your life has the enemy pitched his tent in your life? Now, very important thing is that we need to keep in our mind is that, as I said, two important things that the word of God says. The enemy came and came with his tent and also camels, tent and camels. You know what? There is already a tent in Israel. Do you know what that tent is? The tent of tabernacle. There is already a tent in Israel, a tent where there needs to be worship rising up, a tent where there needs to be sacrifices, a tent where priests should be offering sacrifices and worshiping. But now they have left all that and they have gone behind another pagan call, God called Baal. They don't even care for that tent of tabernacle. They don't care for that worship. But when they ignored that worship, the enemy brought his tent and pitched in the land of the promised land. When you 
ignore the tent of your worship, when you ignore the time of your worship, when you ignore the time that you have to spend with God, when you ignore the time and, and efforts that you have to give in the presence of God, the enemy is going to bring his, his culture. The enemy is going to bring his tent. And the enemy is going to also bring his camel to ride in your promised land. Let me tell you, youngsters, let not your life become a playground for the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. Let not your life become the playground for the enemy. He will bring his tent. He will bring his camel. He will ride his camel in your promised land. He will enjoy the camel safari in your promised land. He will do all sort of things if you don't give importance to the worship that you are supposed to give in your promised land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you, if you had the presence of God in your life, the enemy would not even have the boldness to even walk beside your territory. Even the boldness to walk beside the territory of your promise. But if he has stepped inside, if the devil's tent is in your life, then somewhere along the line, you have missed the presence of God. I know it's hard to say an amen to that. I know it's hard to say an amen to that. Now, let me move ahead. Very interesting is this part. Now, when there is no presence of God in the land, an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. Angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And very specifically, the angel speaks to Gideon like this. He says like this, The presence of God is with you, O mighty man of valor. The presence of God is with you, mighty man of valor. The presence of God is not there in the land. The presence of God is not there with everyone, but with you, mighty man of valor. Two important things over there. One, presence of God is there with you. Second is mighty man of valor. Many, I, I thought over this word too. Why did the angel call him a mighty man of valor? I've heard sermons where preachers say that, oh, the angel was foreseeing the battle that uh, Gideon was about to fight, the, the, the battle where he went just with few army and he won a great battle. That is why the angel was calling him a mighty man of valor. If that was the reason, I'm not saying that is wrong, but if that was just the reason, then the angel should have just called him mighty mighty man. Gideon, you are a mighty man. But there is a word that was added to it. Mighty man of valor. Some of the translation doesn't have it. I checked in Hebrew and there is a word which is translated in some of the translations as valor. Mighty man of valor. If he was just to win a battle, the angel could have called him, you're a mighty man. But now there is valor added to it. So I did my Hebrew studies and looked, what does this valor mean? What does this valor mean? And I got three meanings for valor. Three important meanings for valor. Number one meaning for valor is wealth. Valor means wealth. So valor means wealth. Second one, meaning of valor means strength. Valor means strength. And third meaning for valor is army. Third meaning for uh, valor is army. Angel is looking at Gideon and saying, you are a mighty man of valor, which means, Gideon, you are a mighty man with wealth, strength, and army. Gideon was confused. What? Wait, 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 wait. What are you saying? Wealth, look at all the wealth that has been destroyed by the Midianites. I don't have any wealth left of me. Strength, 
Gideon himself says, I am the weakest clan in Manasseh. I am from the weakest clan. I have no strength. I'm from the weakest clan. I have no strength. Army, I'm just by myself. I'm just threshing this wheat in this winepress by myself. I don't have any army. But still, the angel looks at him and says, you are a man of valor. Why? Because you have the presence of God with you. Amen. Hallelujah. You have the presence of God with you. Young men, young boys, let me tell you, you might not have the wealth or the positions or all the positions in your life, but you have the presence of God in your life, then you are a mighty man in the presence of God. Young women, let me look at you and say, if you don't have that attractive look that the world needs from you, yet if you have the presence of God in your life, you are a mighty woman in the presence of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It also have another side to it. You might have strength. You might have wealth. You might have army. But if you don't have the presence of God, then it doesn't make any use. Then, if, then it doesn't make any use. Let me, let, me, let me say to you something. This was something that I was inspired by another preacher as I was listening to you. But are you ready to give thanks to God? Are you ready to worship God as you hear it? You might say, I don't have anything. How is God going to use me? How I'm going to be the mighty man or woman in the presence of God? But are you ready for how God used the men and women of the Bible? I'm just going to go from Genesis to Revelation in a quick sentence. But are you ready to worship? Worship God. Listen to this. Noah was a drunk man. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had stuttering tongue. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a widow. Gideon was covered. Samson was a womanizer. Jeremiah and Timothy, they were young. Elijah was suicidal. David was an adulterer and murderer. Job was bankrupt. Jonah was disobedient. John the Baptist ate locusts. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Zacchaeus was too short. The disciples, they fell asleep in prayer. Peter denied Jesus three times. Thomas was doubtful. Paul was a persecutor. Yet, they all became mighty men and women for God because they had the presence of God in their life. Praise the Lord. 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 Let me tell you this. That's why Paul says like this. God's power is made perfect in my weakness. God's power is made perfect in my weakness. You might have the workers, you might have all the building materials, but if you don't, if the Lord is not building your house, then you labor in vain. If the Lord is not watching, then you watch in vain. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now let me move ahead. Now let me move ahead. Now the angel comes and says to Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Amen. Hallelujah. Just because the angel has said that you are a mighty man of valor doesn't mean that you are, your battle is over. Doesn't mean that you have won your battle or you don't have any more battles in your life. Let me tell you, there was a battle that Gideon had to face. Let me tell you, since David was anointed, it doesn't mean he, a lion, bear, or Goliath didn't come against him. Just because Joseph had a dream doesn't mean there was no pit or potiphar that was before him. Let me tell you, all these battles battles and everything that Gideon had to face was to bring out a leader that was within him. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Young generations, let me tell you, if you have a battle, know that God wants to bring the leader that is inside of you. And on the other side, if your life is all so happy, you don't have any, lead, uh, any battle or anything in your life, no problems, everything is going smooth in your life, then you need to pay attention to one thing, that you're already in the enemy camp and you're enjoying that camel ride. You're already in that enemy camp and enjoying that camel ride. Now let me quickly go through the three things that I pointed out. Trumpet, jar, and torch. You know, these are uh, things that you don't take to when you go for a battle. You take a shield, you take a sword, you take things like that for a battle. But you don't take a trumpet, jar, or torch for a battle. Uh, it's like you go for something with a, a, a tool that is not used for that. But let me tell you this. Trumpet. What does the trumpet say over there? The moment Gideon blows his trumpet, the enemy will know that they are surrounded by the Israelites. So if when you blow your trumpet, you know that the battle is on. Many a times we keep our trumpets quiet because we are scared of the enemy. We don't want the enemy to be alert that we are there. We keep our trumpets low. We don't want the battle. We want a good deal with the enemy. Let our life go like this. I don't want to have that battle with the enemy. I'm not blowing my trumpet and we have kept our trumpets low. But let me tell you, it's high time to blow your trumpets. Second thing is your jar. And the jar is not empty. It has a lamp within inside. It has a torch inside. The lamp had a torch inside. We all have our own torches inside, but we cover it up with a jar. We have things that closes ourselves, the, the light that is within us, the torches that God has given in our life. But it is high time that you break the jar and light your torches. And the third thing is a torch. There is always a light that God has given in your life to shine in this dark and wicked world. But many times we have kept it inside the jar. But let me tell you, it's high time before you go to battle with your enemy that you break the jar and light your torch. Torch. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to conclude over here, but let me conclude with a challenge for the youngsters. A challenge, an application for, for the youngsters. The Bible says like this, Gideon had 300 men and he positioned this 300 men around the enemy camp. He carefully positioned the 300 men with the trumpet, with the jar and torch. I already told you what these trumpets are. Trumpet is worship. Your jar is things that hinder you and torch, the light that should be shining in your life. He gave these three things to 300 men and positioned them around the camp. Let me tell you this. The devil had already pitched his tent in your schools, in your colleges, in your workplaces. You might think, what does these tents are? Let me tell you, these are the tents of liberal ideologies. These are tents of satanic teachings. These are tents of immoral culture. These are tents of casual sex. These are tents of pornography. These are tents of addictions. But let me tell you, the young folks of Calvary Assembly, the youngsters of Calvary Assembly, God has carefully positioned you. You might be small in number, just like 300 men for Gideon, but God has carefully positioned you in your schools, colleges, and workplaces. Why? Not to just keep your trumpets and jar and torch in your backpack and walk around in the enemy camp, but to break that jar, to blow your trumpet, to shine your light in the places where God has placed you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me challenge you youngsters of this church. Can your institutions or your workplaces say that we are proud to have you because of you in this place, we are blessed.
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I challenge my, my youths in this church. Can we make this thing happen? Can you take this as a resolution for the next year? That wherever God is placing, I'm going to blow the trumpet. I'm going to break the jar and light the torch that God has given me. Let's close our eyes. Everyone to close our eyes. Every youth make that decision in your mind. I have this trumpet in my life for a very long time. But I have kept it without blowing it. Because the moment I blow it, the enemy will know that I am awake. The enemy will know that I am not dead. The enemy will know that I am not asleep. And if the enemy knows that, then he's going to come in a battle with me. And many a times because of the fear of the battle, I have kept my trumpet quiet. But this day, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to blow my trumpet. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessed time that you have given to us. Lord, we submit every youngsters into your hand. That they would use the things that God has placed them in their hand. And the place that they are positioned. That they would fight against the enemy and bring about your glory. Lord, we once again submit each and every one into your hands. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.